Welcome back, everybody, to Duval Till We Pod. My name is Daniel Griffiths. With me, JC. We're coming off of draft weekend where the Jaguars selected 13 players, almost an entire football roster that we have to discuss today. But uh, before we get into that, JC, how are you? Life is delicious. As the great Benjamin Solak would say. Indeed. I love quoting great men on this podcast, as you well know. So he's he is one of my uh, my favorite football journalists out there. Um, love him. He's easy to love. Uh, but uh, yeah, the Jaguars Jaguars had a weekend. Um, Busy. It Busy was weekend. It was Trent, Trent Balky probably uh, felt like no rest on, for the weary. He was on the clock every pick with how many picks he made. Maybe he just wanted to have a fun weekend. It was just like, I want to make as many picks as possible. Between pick 185 and 240, we drafted six players. And 60 picks? That seems like a lot of players. And a lot of picks that probably aren't going to make the team. You know, to quote another great man, they say good football players are a good thing to have. And if you draft more than everyone else you have a better chance at some of those players being good. Technically, statistically. All right. So, uh, do you want me to have the honor of quickly running through the Duval Baker's dozen? Go ahead. All right. So, at, at uh, in the first round, pick 27 after two tradebacks, uh, once with the New York Giants and once with the Buffalo Bills, we took offensive tackle Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma. In the second round at pick 61, after another trade back, uh, we drafted tight end Brenton Strange out of Penn State. Uh, with pick 88 in the third round, running back Tank Bigsby from Auburn. Uh, pick 121 in the fourth, linebacker Ventrell Miller out of Florida. Pick 130 in the fourth, defensive end Tyler Lacey, Oklahoma State. Uh, 136 in the fifth, edge rusher Yasir Abdullah, Louisville. Pick 160 in the fifth, DB Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M. At pick 185 in the sixth, wide receiver Parker Washington out of Penn State. Pick 202, cornerback Christian Brazewell. Braswell? Braswell. Braswell out of Rutgers. Love you, bud. A pick 208, uh, safety Eric Hallett the second out of Pitt, All-American Eric Hallett the second. Pick 226 in the seventh, offensive lineman guard Cooper Hodges out of Appalachian State. 227, the very next pick, a defensive tackle Raymond Vahashik out of North Carolina. And at pick 240, fullback slash defensive end, Derek Parrish from the University of Houston. And no, I was not recapping the 53-man roster just now. I was simply recapping the Jaguars' 2023 draft class of 13 players, the most in franchise history. So I graduate Saturday, and that felt like the preview to my graduation ceremony. You'll graduate with fewer people from Florida than the Jaguars drafted over the weekend. Uh, this little preview there. I'm, I'm – practicing so i'll i'll go ahead and start with our first pick anton harrison um 
I'm I'm the the known pessimist on this podcast, but I'm fine with the pick. Um, the Jaguars had a need at tackle, especially with the news coming out of Cam Robinson's suspension. This is going to be really interesting now because um, it sounds like Walker Little is the left tackle of the future and that Anton Harrison is the right tackle of the future. So it's going to be interesting if the Jaguars are going to keep a $16, $17 million left tackle on the bench. But it sounds like that's what they're doing. But uh, yeah, Anton Harrison was one of the best tackles in the class. Depending on whether or not you, look, you looked at Peter Skaronsky as a tackle, he was... Uh, you know, a, a top four tackle in this class. Um, so it's a fine pick. He deserved to go in the first round. Um, he He's very similar to Charles Cross that came out last year that the Panthers drafted uh, pretty highly. Uh, really, really good in pass pro. Um, you know, those sim- similar to Charles Cross, who uh, was playing in a Mike Leach offense. Uh, in the Big 12, they don't run the ball all that much. And when they do, it's a, it's a lot, uh, lot less of a beefy, um, power scheme. So it'll be interesting to see how he does in Jacksonville and transitions with that in the run game. Uh, he's going to have less pressure on him since he's going to be moving to right tackle. He did play a little bit at right tackle. Um, so that's, uh, I, I think that that's a, that's a pretty solid pick. You know, the Jaguars were in a position where they didn't have to take a starter immediately at 27. We uh, and traded back twice, which is fine. We'll talk about that probably a little later as to our concerns with the, the, constant tradebacks that Trent Belke had, but uh, yet 27, um, this pick individually, I, I have no problems with it. Uh, a key stat here, Harrison allowed just two pressures on 406 pass block snaps last season and allowed only one sack on 772 pass block snaps in the last two seasons. So that's, that's really, really good. And uh, hopefully he can, uh, you know, be, be our right tackle of the future for the next uh, half decade, decade. I also really like the pick. Um, even though offensive line is not very sexy in the first round. Um, it's a need, and the value kind of matched up there. You know, the news came out today that Anton Harrison was considered by Vegas, possibly at pick number 12 if they were to trade back with Arizona. And um, so that shows you that he was valued by the league. We didn't draft an unknown person at the first round that nobody else would have taken there. Um, you know, 6'4", 312 pounds. Uh, near 35-inch arms. Uh, First-team All-Big 12 in 2022. Uh, tested pretty well, you know, uh, at the combat. 792 RAS, which I know for an offensive tackle, that's probably pretty good. Uh, you know, it's, it's above average, certainly. Um, but, you know, playing on the right side, like you said, he will have less pressure on them than having to come in and instantly protect the blind side of the franchise quarterback. Um, but I'm also, you know, happy with the pick. It was a position of need. The value matched up. And I think, like you said, I think he has potential to be kind of a, a standard on our offensive line for uh, quite a while. Yeah, B plus? Yeah, I mean, so I really, I, I really can't find many reasons to complain other than the players I would have personally just rather have at 27. But we got a more valuable player for what we needed than taking maybe a guy like Nolan Smith, which would have just been more fun to have. Yeah, it is, I guess, uh, sad that we felt like we had to take a tackle with the Cam Robinson situation uh, that early. Um, but uh, you want to you get with us on our next pick? Uh, so the next pick um, came after 
another trade back. <laughs> the Jags traded back from 56 to 61. Uh, and they took Brenton Strange. Um, I should have, it would have been really funny if I would have said the next pick was a little strange. You know, I was going to, I was going to do it until you just, I know. I'm it. sorry. I, f- I have apparently very poor comedic timing, but Brenton Strange tied in out of Penn State. Uh, Third team, all Big Ten in 2022. Uh, a big boy, 6'3", 253 um, at tight end. So, he, he's not small. Uh, tested incredibly well at the combine. He was a 9-0-9 RAS. Um, had a pretty good career at Penn State, you know, over three years. Uh, caught 69 balls, 751 yards, 10 touchdowns, which isn't miraculous by any means, but – he wasn't probably playing with the best quarterback play uh, at Penn State. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it was – you can call it a reach because I think that's fair. Uh, even though he's a good player uh, and I think he does make our team better, there were better tight ends available. There were better players available overall at other positions of need. Um, but overall, it's not a bad player to add to our team. Um, if we would have taken Brenton Strange in the fourth round, I probably would have been ecstatic. Uh, but taking him at 61 to a lot of people is going to feel like a reach, even though he is a good player. Yeah, it, it was a bit strange uh, for for me. Um, I didn't think he was one of the premier tight ends in this class, and they viewed him as such. Uh, was he the fourth tight end taken? Fifth? Fourth? I think he might have been the third. No, he was after because he was after Musgrave. Yeah, because I um, forgot Green Bay double dipped at tight end. Yeah, so I think he was the fourth tight end taken, which is a little rich for me. Uh, it came out the Darnell Washington drop because of some swollen knee concerns. Uh, okay, whatever, draft the man. Um, he was the sixth tight end taken. Sixth tight end taken, which makes it eh, wow. I mean, oh, because Shoemaker yeah. went right before him. Shoemaker right? went. Really early, much um, earlier than people anticipated. Yeah, so they had a little bit of a tight end run there at the top of the second. Um, but it's still a little rich for me. I thought that there was some better uh, better tight ends later on. You could have Darnell taken Washington, Washington, Tucker Craft. Yeah, um, even even a guy like Zach Koontz, because you don't necessarily need the guy to play right away and be an immediate like big-time impact player. If he sees the field, you know, like fine, but they, they drafted Brenton Strange to to almost be as impactful, it seems like, as Evan Ingram. Um, but, uh, yeah, you mentioned the 755 yards, uh, 751 yards, 10 touchdowns. Um, I, I have this stat. He is just one of three FBS tight ends since 2020 to run 300 routes from the slot, 150 routes from inline, and 75 routes out wide. Um, the others are Michael Mayer from Notre Dame and uh, Auburn's John Samuel Schenker. So he, he's certainly got a lot of reps uh, running routes. And I'm sure that that's one of the reasons why Doug Peterson thought so highly of him. It, it's, you know, it, it's definitely a Doug Peterson pick. It's a little rich for me for a tight end, especially in this class. It, tight ends were so deep. Um, there were certainly better players available for the, for Jacksonville, one of them being Osiris Torrance. Uh, that would be a hell of a uh, offensive line if they got Walker Little, Osiris Torrance, Luke Fortner, Brandon Scherf, and 
Anton Harrison left to right, but uh, it's, it's also a, he's also a, an above average blocker. Yeah, so you have to mention that also Brenton Strange. Um, he's not a mauler by any means because um, he's not like overly strong. Uh, but at 253, he is a load, so he is an above average blocker, and I think he'll play a lot of that H back um, type position in short yardage with Evan Ingram also in the game, and maybe Luke Forder. I mean. You know, the Jaguars struggled heavily in short yardage last year, not by me acknowledging that. Doug Peterson acknowledged it in the post-draft press conference. Um, so you'll see maybe some 13 personnel with Luke Farrell, Brenton Strange, and Evan Ingram on the field with maybe Tank Bigsby as your running back and be able to maybe be a little bit more, um, you know, high percentage in those situations. You know who also would have helped that? Osiris Torrance. <laughs> I'm told, Washington. I'm told that when you have a young franchise quarterback, a good O-line is a good thing to have. Yeah, especially when you have a, a young franchise running back. Uh, but uh, you want to move on to uh, to number 88, who you're quite fond of? I'm very fond of the Tank. I refuse to try to call him by his legal first name. Uh, so I'm going to call him Tank Bigsby out of Auburn. Um 88th overall in the third round, 8-3-3 RAS, which is nothing to look down upon. Uh, his best season was his freshman year as far as accolades goes. Um, in 2020, he was second team All-SEC and the freshman of the year. Um, so with him, very productive, okay? So, like, let's just get that right off the bat. In three seasons, 540 carries. 2,900 yards, 25 touchdowns, 5.4 yards per carry. Also caught 62 passes for 448 yards in three years. So he is a threat, even though he's seen kind of more as a bruiser. Uh, he is definitely a guy that can catch the ball to the backfield. Um, he's seventh all-time in rushing at Auburn, uh, behind obviously some guys like Bo Jackson and Cadillac Williams. Um, he's ahead of Ronnie Brown. Uh, on the all-time list. Um, this is a really good pick, even though some people thought it was early for where Bigsby probably would have been slated to go. Um, you know, one of the kind of small nitpicky notches, you uh, knocks against him you could look at is um, he didn't perform very well in his career against Alabama and Georgia, which not a lot of running backs do. Um but in those big, big games, he didn't really put up much statistically. Um, but, you know, a very productive college career, um, top, top top 10 all-time leading rusher at Auburn. Uh, he does bring a dynamic to our team that Travis Etienne and Jamichael Hasty did not have. Um, it was the kind of thing that we kind of thought – the kind of role that we thought Snoop Connor could maybe handle, but he never – Really got the opportunity this past season. Shocker. Uh, yeah, to get those opportunities uh, in short yardage. But he, he gives you a dynamic that you didn't have before. Um, he's a thumper uh, a little bit more than Travis Etienne. So he does bring an added dynamic to the team that we didn't have before, um, even though people like our wonderful host here maybe think it was a little early to take him. So I, I love Bigsby. He was like my RB5, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, and I don't necessarily have a problem with the Jaguars selecting Bigsby here. My problem more so comes from who they surround, who they picked around him um, with 
Anton Harrison and Brenton Strange. You went offense, offense, offense. Um, and you went back-to-back picks on offense who your hope is that they never are starters. Um, you know, generally on day two, you kind of want to get guys who can maybe be rotational players early on in their career and then eventually be starters. And that's not really the case unless they don't envision re-signing Evan Ingram. Um, but I mean, I, I really love Tank Bigsby. I think he's going to be a good player for, for us. Um, I think he'd be an excellent player for somebody else. You know, if he, if he got the chance to get more carries, um, I think it's, it's maybe a, a missed opportunity for Bigsby because I think he could be a starting level, a caliber running back for, for another team, but uh, I'm happy he's a Jaguar. He's good to have good football players. He's good backup. Um, so a little stat here from ESPN, uh, Bigsby's yards before contact per rush ranked 90th out of 111 players with at least 300 rushes. But his yards after contact per rush over that span was ranked 13th. So super good after contact. Uh, something I thought he got a lot better at this this previous year than he did in 2020 and 2021. Um, but uh, the Jaguars drafted offense, offense, offense to start this draft. They clearly want to surround Trevor Lawrence with as much help as possible uh, and, and maybe to the detriment of the defense. Yeah, and it's a pretty good value. Like you said, you had him as your RB5. He's the, he was the seventh running back taken. So there was a, a, a bit of a run on running back, maybe higher than what we're used to seeing in the top 88 picks. Um, but, you know, to get him as the seventh running back when you did want to add one, it is a good add for a team that was lacking a physical runner. Uh, and now you get one in Tank Bigsby, who I think is going to find a way to make an impact as a rookie. Uh, may not be a huge one, uh, but he is a guy that I expect to turn into a valuable uh, member of the 53-man roster. You're up with uh, a round four pick. All right, round four. Uh, the the <laughs> Really the one that kind of made every Jaguars fan scratch their head a little bit. Um not the player, not the fact that we drafted him. Uh, it was really where we took him and how early, because I don't think any expert had him going this high. Well, in um, the position. Yeah, so linebacker, which the Jaguars drafted two last year, by the way. Um, Ventro Miller from Florida uh, took him at 121 in the fourth round, 5'11", 232. Um, the only player on our roster that did not make all-conference or all-American in college, but he was a two-time SEC academic honor roll, so he can hang out with Foyer Lewican and Luke Fortner, and they can talk about smart people stuff. Um, 2022, 74 tackles, eight and a half tackles for loss. Um, you can talk way more accurately about Ventro Miller than I can, uh, being a Florida soon-to-be graduate and Florida fan. Um, you know, I, I I see a really, really good special teams player. I see a guy that I think can develop into a decent linebacker. I don't know if he's ever a starter or a key contributor on defense. Um, but it based on where he was drafted, it did surprise a lot of people because I think most of the grades on him were fifth to sixth round. Yeah, and so I'll, I'll start with this. Uh, Ventro Miller kind of had a – unfortunate career at Florida he uh early on he looked really really good and then kind of as soon as he started 
he, he got the chance to be starter. He, he faced some injuries and, and never really became the player that many thought he would be. Um, at Florida, he was viewed as a leader on the defense. He was their Mike linebacker. He's number 51, you know, um, and kind of a guy that he, he was a, a, a rah-rah guy that uh, Gators started a lot of really young players on defense. You know, most of the SEC teams do, um, especially teams like Florida, LSU, and Alabama start some corners and secondary pieces, you know, like before they've even graduated high school, basically. Uh, so for, for the Gator defense, he was a really key contributor, both on the field and in the locker room. Um, but injuries kind of took a toll on him uh, over the course of his career. and he, he never became what he was supposed to be. Uh, 2021 basically missed the entire year and, and uh, we're still coming back from that in 2022. But, uh, you know, he's he's a guy that I hope can come back from those injuries and become more what Florida envisioned for him later on in his collegiate career, maybe in the NFL. I don't expect him to be ever a starter. Hopefully he can, he can find a spot on the roster and be a key contributor on special teams. A little bit of a smaller guy um, and the the. The Jaguars linebacker unit is kind of loaded. Um, it's not like loaded with like all pros, but there's just not a lot of room for guys to cut. Um, you know, he's going to be competing with Shaq Quarterman. Uh, so we'll see if maybe he can beat out uh, beat out one of the linebackers that are there, incumbent linebackers. Um, but he's definitely not going to be one of the top three. And my only concern with the pick, more more so than even the player, is. The Jaguars went tight end, running back, linebacker. Um, arguably the three least important positions on the football field. And they they took them two, three, four. Uh, so that's that's my only concern there. And, and three guys also that they don't view to be starters long term. Um, you know, you drafted Anton Harrison early. Great with that. You know, he's going to be a starter for long term. But you drafted three guys after that you don't envision being starters ever. You know, you you plan to sign Evan Ingram to a long-term contract. You've got Travis Etienne. And I'm not sure in what universe ever Ventrell Miller would be a starter for us, considering we draft just drafted two high-profile linebackers last year. And we have Foyer Luicon. Um, so that it's it's more so than the play. I don't have a problem with the players. You know, I think that these are all guys who could be impactful players in the NFL. It's just a little confusing for us when we already have really, really solid players. And at this point still in the draft, we have not touched the defense, um, the defensive secondary, which has got a huge hole and the defensive line. We, we took our one draft so far on the, on the, on the defense has been the position that we didn't need. Um, so, and, and we'll move on to, to some later picks here, but it's just uh, the philosophy at this point. I was like, okay, what do we do? And it's going to change here a little bit where I'm a little more positive uh, here in these, uh, some of the, the fourth and fifth, sixth rounders, but uh, just, I was confused. And also the trade backs, you trade backs to to draft players who aren't the best available and you trade back to draft players who we don't, aren't, aren't positions. Um, it's an inter interesting draft philosophy. Uh, especially on day two and the early parts of day three for Trent Balky. All right. So the next two players, I don't expect either one of us to take a lot of time talking about. So I'm going to roll through both of them very quickly. I'm good uh, with both. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Tyler Lacey out of Oklahoma state defensive end. There you go. You got your defensive front guy. 
Uh, three-time All-Big 12 honorable mention, big end type body, took mm-hmm. a top 30 visit to the team. Uh, and then in the fifth round, 136 overall, uh, two-time All-ACC edge rusher Yasir Abdullah, uh, tested incredibly well, 963 RAS, and led the ACC in sacks in 2022 with 9.5. He had 19.5 sacks the last two years. Um which is a very, very, very high level of production. Um, a bit smaller than the typical edge rusher. Um, but, yeah, those are two guys we could just touch on really quick. I, I don't really have a lot to say about either one other than I do like the prospect of uh, Yasir Abdullah um, a bit more than Tyler Lacey, even though uh, I do expect Tyler Lacey to find a role in this team, hence the fact that we did lose kind of our big end in Dwayne Smoot. Yeah, I was I was fine with both these picks. These are these are the kind of picks that I expected us to make on day three. You know, um, positions of need, but more so guys to compete rather than uh, compete for roster spot rather than maybe for a starting spot or or a rotational role. I don't expect really either one of these guys to see the field all that much as rookies, or maybe even their second years. Hope you hope that one of them turns out well. Um, I, I like the prospect of Yasir Abdullah. I never think Tyler, I, I, uh, I think Tyler Lacey is going to be one of those guys that is going to stick around in the NFL for a really long time, but never really be a starter, a high impact player somewhere. Uh, Yasir Abdullah has got a little more, I think he's got a chance to, to turn into something. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely got the, uh, the production in college. Uh, so hopefully he can continue that and find some success in the NFL. A little bit of a smaller guy, especially for edge rusher, six one two thirty seven. 237. Uh, for Trent Balky, this is, he's out here wild. And uh, this is the most un like guy ever. But uh, I'm happy that uh, Trent Balky went uh, went out of his own uh, comfort zone to, to take a guy like Yusir Abdullah. Yeah, and then uh, with the 160th pick in the fifth round, um, Trent grabs a guy that seemed universally that every Jags fan on Twitter was happy about, um, a player that a lot of us talked about in the pre-draft process. Prospect, uh, process. Words are hard. Um, just like math. Math is hard. Uh, Antonio Johnson, defensive back out of Texas A&M, a guy that, some have called the steal of round five for any team. I've seen two national writers say that it was uh, Tre- uh, Trevor Sikuma said, is it Trevor? I'm sorry. Trevor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Trevor Sikuma said it was his favorite pick of the fifth round. Gator great. Um, um, there you go. Uh, two-time all ACC, or SEC, sorry. Uh, 6'1", 198. He had 88 solo tackles in the past 21 games, which for a safety, that's a lot of solo tackles. Um, He also – he's one of those guys similar to Brian Branch that is a really productive safety on the field, even though they did not test well. Um, He had an RAS, I believe, in the fours. Um, But a guy that Jags Twitter was very excited about, a guy that many had like a second or third round grade on, a uh, guy that we probably could have taken at 88, no one would have even batted an eye. They would have probably applauded. Um, but you get him here at 160, and you have to consider this a steal out of position of need. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, this and the next pick. Really, really the last two, uh, you know, Tyler Lacey, Yasir Abdullah, Antonio Johnson, and Parker Washington are all, I think, 
pretty solid picks, especially the latter two. Trent Balky just decided that he wanted to be competent uh, for for two selections in this draft. Uh, not that you know, like I, I think the other picks are fine. Um, it's just that these two are outstanding compared to a, a lot of the other ones and terrific value. Um, Johnson is PFF's, PFF's highest graded slot coverage guy the last two seasons. Um, I don't imagine he'll be playing as much slot for us, but you know, still. I'll take a high protective player, especially in the slot. He can be a guy that can cover some of those big uh, tight ends and receivers in the slot, which is becoming increasingly uh, more common in the NFL. Uh, he spent 47% of his slot, uh, his snaps lined up in the slot for the Aggies, who were first in the SEC in pass defense last year. So that's that's fantastic to hear. Um, he wasn't a guy that got the Got got his hands on the ball a lot. He just had a few pass breakups and one interception in his career. Uh, but as you mentioned, did make a ton of plays as a run defender and as a uh, as a safety, you know, kind of holding that line in the back back of the defense. Um, so hopefully he can compete with, you know, maybe our big nickel or Trey Herndon get some get some uh, get some eyes on the field there. But uh, yeah, I was I was totally fine with the pick and great value. I had him as a late third, early fourth guy. Jaguars get him in the fifth, so I'll I'll take it. Yeah, thumper. He he loves to hit, uh, and you can see that by a lot of watching him. He just he he's a he's a nasty football player, and and, and we need that, you know, like especially with our box safeties. Um, you add in another safety now that's really not scared to tackle, you know. Um, even though they do miss a good bit, um, Rayshon Jenkins and you know Dewey Wingard and Andre Cisco, none of the three are scared to hit. Um, all three of them, uh, you know, are competent tacklers. And now you add another guy to that room that, you know, is very physical. Uh, pick 185 in the sixth round. Uh, oh, can I talk pick. about the good Penn State player? Yeah, you get to talk about the good Penn State player. I'll just – I'm sorry, I was just introducing him for you. Parker Washington, wide receiver, Penn State. Take it away, Daniel. I joke, Brandon Strange. I love you. Uh, it's, <laughs> But I will say that Parker, Parker Washington is fun as hell. Um I will, uh, before I talk about Parker Washington, I will say that their quarterback play has been uh, less than adequate. I'll say um, conservatively for my guy, Sean Clifford, who is uh, not college football's best. Somehow well, that wasn't good enough to start there. Apparently so. Uh, but yeah, Parker Washington's fun. Um, he's kind of like the, the poor man's quote unquote Hank Adele in this draft. Um, you know, some, a smaller guy, but you get the ball in his hands, dude's electric. Um, so he had 146 catches and about 2,000 yards, 12 touchdowns, and he averaged 13.2 yards per catch in his three seasons. Um, he was their primary punt returner in 2022. So if the Jaguars do decide to move on from Jamal Agnew, he's got a chance to compete there. Jaguars, uh, which I'm sure you're going to mention, receiver depth isn't great. We've got Tim Jones, Kendrick Pryor, and then it's kind of ugly. Uh, so that, that's going to be exciting. He may see the field there, um, you know, uh, giving giving some breaks to uh, some of our top three guys, Ridley, Kirk, and Zay Jones. Um, I'm, ex- I'm interested to see if Agnew becomes more of a staple on our offense again at receiver. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm great with this pick. I had him, I had him with a four or five. Uh, Jaguars get great value here with Parker Washington. Yeah, and um, you know, like you said, he's he's a unique body type. He's a little bit smaller, but but he's he, he's he's a thickin. You know, he's he, he's five nine, two oh four. He's got some meat. 
Yeah. So, you know, all big 10 in 2020 and 2022, like you said, very productive in his career with not very good quarterback play. I think you can, I think you can use Parker Washington in so many different ways. Um, I'm going to have to see what he ranks. I'm not, I can look it up while you talk. Uh, but I just think of all the ways you can use a guy like him. Like he's, I think of, I know this sounds funny because this was not like an all-star, but, you know, to Jaguars fans, we are nostalgic as it gets. Think about how they used Corey Grant in 2017 a little bit. Think of, like, quick swing passes, like get the ball in his hands fast and just let him do the work. Um, it's all the things that we expected maybe a LaVisca Chenault to be. Um, but I feel like Parker Washington maybe is maybe a better version of that kind of guy. Um, if you saw at Penn State, got the ball in his hands very quickly a lot of times, like he caught a lot of bubble screens and things like that. And that's the kind of thing that I'd love to envision for him because we don't really, as far as our slots go, we don't really throw a lot of screens to Christian Kirk. Um, so if he can play a role there as kind of a quick hitter, because um, think about last year, you watch the Jaguars play on offense, which you and I both watch basically every snap. Um Zay, Kirk, Ingram didn't come off the field. There was no really rotation of, okay, let's get let's get Tim Jones in there. Like, Tim Jones was the first receiver off the bench, but he still didn't play hardly at all. And then this year, you've got Calvin Ridley added to Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, and Christian Kirk, and they won't sub in a lot. Zay Jones is going to be off the field in a lot of packages. Uh, but then you're – so there was no depth last year. And now this year you add in Calvin Ridley at the top and then you add in some solid depth with, with Parker Washington, which, you know, you and I have both talked about leading up to the draft that we both thought they needed to draft a receiver. Um, and Especially they did, with 13 picks. Yeah, and they waited a good while to, to do it, but they got incredible value, I thought, taking Parker Washington at 185. Uh, very productive in a very tough conference. I mean, if you would have played a drinking game – this weekend where you took a shot every time a big 10 DB got drafted, you would have been needed. You wouldn't have made it to day three. Exactly. And so he went against incredible talent. Uh, got the guys from Illinois. Like they had three DBs drafted. Uh, the guys from Penn state, uh, every Penn game, state, you know, his own, his own teammates in Jair. Uh, um, so he went up against elite talent. He performed incredibly well. And, you know, I had a tweet earlier that uh, in three years, in the last three years at Penn State, Brenton Strange and Parker Washington combined for over 200 catches, about 2,600 yards, and 22 touchdowns. And now they have Trevor Lawrence as their quarterback. So you took two guys that were able to make chicken salad out of chicken poop, to quote, you know, to quote uh, – the wrestling world, but and now they have Trevor Lawrence as their quarterback. So you're you're their situation based on who's throwing them the ball. So you expect them both to be even more productive, especially um, Parker Washington. Doug Peterson spoke so highly of him. He seems incredibly excited to get him in the offense. He's a guy that you definitely expect to make the team and to have a role in 2023 where he's on the field in on offense in regular season games. Um, you have a lot more confidence in him being a rotational piece of the receiver core than you do maybe some of the guys that were on the bench last year. 
Yeah, and it's uh, he's going to be a, a really nice backup for Christian Kirk. Um, that's kind of the, the you know he's going to be your slot backup slot. Um, and he did not test at all. Um, but uh, previous uh, guesses to his forty or measurements were were in the the mid to high four fours, which is fine. Four four five, four four nine in that area. Which for a guy as thick as he is, I'm, I'm taking that. He's got hands. Yeah, he's you got want... very, very good hands. We got two DBs here. Who, uh, you know, excited to talk about? Say his last name because I'll mess it up. Christian Braswell. Christian Braswell, corner out of Rutgers, pick two hundred two in round six. Um, in twenty twenty two, he was honorable mention All Big Ten which I feel like honorable mention as a DB in the Big Ten this year would be like being first-team Pac-12 DB. Especially <laughs> because, at Rutgers. Got love for Rutgers, but – Yeah, guys... because, I mean, like you said, like we talked about, that that Big Ten – me and you uh, leading up to the draft, I think you and I looked at all the DBs that made first, second, and third team uh, all Big Ten, and it's basically all draft picks or guys that are coming back next year. Like there yeah, was not a – yeah, there was not an undrafted free agent on that list. Kalen King, the uh, the freshman last year from Iowa, who I'm blanking on his name, safety. This is yeah. a really good group of guys. But you know, Devon Witherspoon, all the guys from all the guys from Illinois, um, Riley Moss, Joey Porter Jr. Like yeah. it was, it was, it was ridiculous. Sidney Brown, um, Juan Martin. Yeah, eight five zero RAS uh, for Christian. Uh, broke up 11 passes, had three interceptions in his only year at Rutgers. He was a um, player at Temple uh, before that. Um, you know, Greg Schiano had incredibly high praise uh, for Christian. Uh, just talked about, like, his character and what he brings to the table and how hard he works. And, um, you know, they talk, uh, Trent Balky kind of raved about his coverage skills. Uh, so you expect him to really push for an opportunity to be that nickel corner that the Jaguars are lacking. Yeah, I got uh, I got you know all the love in the world for Gregory Jr. and uh, Trey the other the other corner who we drafted last year who I'm blanking on his name Buster Brown from That's Arkansas. It uh, did he play a snap this year? He was inactive basically every game. Um, but I expect Braswell to compete and beat them out. Um, I think he's a better football player. I, I think that he's a, a really solid get here around six. Um, you know, you mentioned the accolades. That means a lot, especially coming from Rutgers in the Big Ten. Rutgers doesn't get a lot of love. Um, I love them. Uh, but, uh, you know, you mentioned that uh, he had some pa- 11, 11 pass breakups, three interceptions, and he missed 2021 with a knee injury. Um, you know, he may not have been, he may not even have even been totally healthy last year. So the Jaguars may be getting a guy who can, uh, you know, maybe even be better than he was for his senior year at Rutgers. And, uh, hopefully he can get some looks at, on special teams and, uh, and some playing time, whether it's, you know, in the slot, um, or in some dime packages, or if somebody gets hurt, he could step in and, and be a, uh, solid player for us. All right. Next up. Pick 208 in the sixth round. Another DB, Eric Hallett II out of Pitt. Uh, safety, but also expected to compete for that nickel corner spot. Um, honestly, 
you know, we laugh about who took who where, but uh, possibly that one of the Jaguars' most um, accoladed draft picks of the entire draft here at 208. Um, Eric Hallett II was a second-team All-American, uh, according to um, the sports uh, – was it the sports writer, PF, whatever, uh, you know. The sports college, writer. Fo- college football writers of America. Yeah, those guys. They know. Uh, so, second-team All-American. Uh, he was a semifinalist for the Thorpe Award, which goes out to the nation's best defensive back. Um, not huge. Uh, he is 5'9", 195. So he's not exactly going to be jamming anytime soon. Um, tested okay. Uh, you know, he was a 7'4". Yeah, uh, yeah RAS. Um, a lot of that's probably the size. Yeah. So he's a player that I like strictly because of how well he was able to play the position in a tough conference. Uh, you know, the ACC had quite a few skill players in the draft this year that were highly regarded. Um, you know, A.T. Perry out of Wake Forest. Downs. Um, yeah, Josh uh, Downs out of North Carolina. That was a very early second-round pick. Uh, so he went against some very, very good competition and performed very well. Um, it's not often that you grab All-Americans this late, um, but ironically the Jags are going to grab another one in just a second. Uh, but uh, Eric Hallett II is a guy that I expect to find a way to add value to the team this year. Uh, probably on special teams. Um, maybe he ends up being the starting nickel corner. I don't know. I have no way to possibly predict that on May the 1st. Um, but he's a guy that definitely adds value to the roster. Yeah, you didn't mention some stats for him, so I will. In his, uh, in his four seasons, he had 158 tackles, 22 pass breakups, four forced fumbles, five fumble recoveries, and seven interceptions. So really incredibly uh, – productive player in his four seasons at Pitt. Uh, and, and you can see with those stats why he was second team All-American. Um, you know, he's a, he's a really productive player for, for a really nice team the last few years. Yeah, and so moving on, uh, we're finally addressing the interior of the offensive line, which I was upset we waited this long to do it. What is this, uh, our 12th, 11th pick? This is 11th our 11th pick. pick. Good this Lord. Is, uh, 226th in the seventh round. Um, this is our own pick. The next pick was one that we got from the Saints. Um, Cooper Hodges. Uh, he played offensive tackle at Appalachian State. He is projected to get kicked inside, and I believe uh, Trent or Doug already mentioned this. Uh, but he was a third team All American according to PFF. Uh, and that includes that's not like a mid major or a small school All American. That is an FBS including everybody, even the Georgia and Alabamas of the world, he was an All-American. 6'3", 304. He was uh, all-conference all four years of college. He was a four-time all-sunbelt selection. Uh, So, incredibly productive player. He's a local guy. Uh, He is from, I believe, uh, Baker County, Florida, uh, which I believe is not very far from Jacksonville. You know, I'm not the Florida guy here. I'm a transplant Jags fan. Um, but he is a local guy, so, you know, he and his family are incredibly excited to be getting to uh, play his pro ball in Jacksonville. He's a guy that I think is really going to push for a 53-man roster spot, even though obviously he was drafted in the seventh round. Just because the Jags aren't very deep at guard, um, you have Brandon Sheriff, you have Ben Barch, you have Tyler Shatley. Do we still have McDermott? 
We do not. I don't think we still have Casey Minerva. Uh, but Cooper Hodges has a chance there to kind of be that fourth guard um, and play maybe behind Brandon Sheriff. Um, you know, he's incredibly productive, and he got the accolades he deserved being an All-American selection this past year. Uh, and he's a guy that I expect to compete for uh, a 53-man roster spot, and I think he's going to get one. I like his game a lot based on watching him. Yeah, I think he makes the team. And the Jaguars had some injury concerns uh, at guard last year with Ben Barch. Um, and, you know, you'd like not to have Tyler Shatley play, like, three different positions. So, uh, you know, hopefully Shatley can be the, the backup center. And then you feel comfortable with uh, Hodges as your backup left guard. Um you know, you mentioned the how good he was for App State. He played mainly right tackle, NFL projection at guard. At the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, he played guard. But uh, he played 51 games at App State. Ooh. Terrible. Got some, got some experience, too, man. So uh, I'm, I'm excited for a little bit of a smaller school guy. But, uh, you know, maybe that maybe that switch from a tackle to, to guard really uh, – brings out a new light for for Cooper Hodges. Well, and it's a thing that we've seen, though, in recent years in the draft and many years in the draft. Um, a lot of times when you see a small school by someone's name and they're an O-lineman, they usually have a better chance than DBs and receivers from small schools to work out. Uh, we've seen a ton of Division two and Division three O-linemen get drafted in recent years. Ben Burch. Uh, yeah. There's a um, – you know, Quinn Manhurts was from a small school. Um, you know, there are a ton – of very productive offensive linemen that come from very, very small schools. And so, you know, hopefully for the sake of the Jaguars, Cooper is the next in a great line. We just need um, him to be a solid backup. We're, you know, we're not – Cooper Hodges, we're not asking you to be Jesus on the O-line. You know, just, just be – He does have very long hair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the next pick, a pick that we got from the Saints in an earlier trade, um, Raymond, forgive me for butchering this, the – Vohasic, I'm going to go with Vohasic. Uh, defensive lineman, North Carolina, uh, 6'2", 306. He was uh, honorable mention all ACC in 2021. Uh, he has uh, about 33-inch arms. Um, don't know a ton about Raymond. I'm going to be totally honest. Uh, in all of our draft kind of buildup that we researched, he was one of the guys that, I wasn't too familiar with. Uh, he did not take a top 30 visit to the team. Um, I don't remember him being on the circuit of any, like, all-star games or anything like that. So this would definitely be a tip of the cap to whoever the Jaguars' southeastern area scout is uh, for finding Raymond. Um, but, you know, seventh-round pick. That's adds, not a football name. <laughs> adds some uh, depth. <laughs> Uh, to the interior of the defensive line, which did lose a couple of guys. Um, he's a guy that I think because of the investment in Roy Robertson-Harris, the investment in uh, Devon Hamilton, uh, Raymond's probably going to have a difficult time cracking the 53-man. Yeah, I, I got love for you, Raymond Vahosik. Um, You know, I thought that there maybe was a, a one or two Better defensive lineman on the board. Moro Ojimo is one of those. But uh, to be honest with you, I, d I don't know much about Raymond Vahosik. I did not know who he was until we drafted him. I had not seen him on 
any big boards or positional rankings. And that might not be to his fault. It might just be that this is a guy that slipped through the cracks. Um, you know, the Jaguars obviously saw something in him to take him with one of their 13 selections. Uh, he had 96 tackles and five and a half sacks in four seasons. Not the most productive player, but uh, he's a little undersized, six foot two, 300 pounds. Um, but uh, he's, he's hopefully a guy that can come into camp, uh, compete and, and uh, you know, maybe maybe impress uh, some of the coaches to, to make the either the practice squad or, or uh, the 53 men. All right. Last but not least, my favorite draft pick of the whole of the whole 13. Uh, of the whole 256 or whatever it is. <laughs> because I'm so intrigued. Derek Parrish, defensive end slash fullback. Slash linebacker slash. No, this is not 1961. Did he kick? From the University of Houston, uh, 240th pick in the seventh round. Um, I am so intrigued by this pick for multiple reasons. One, He's only six foot. He, he's six foot 241. Um, was a pretty productive defensive end at Houston. Um, he was all conference in 2021. He missed most all of 2022 with a torn bicep. Um, yeah, I think it was late September when he was injured. So he missed most of the season. Um, had a game against Texas Tech. In 2021, I believe it was, where he had, like, four sacks. Um, I shared a video today of him having, like, an 85-yard uh, pick six against South Florida. Um, Do you have an RAS on him? 9-2-5. Like, so, if nothing else, Derek's an athlete. So, Is that his, a fullback or DN? I believe it's at defensive end. Um, but – I think when you look at an RAS like that, the chances of him being to a, being able to adapt to fullback in the NFL, like he's got as good a chance of anybody of doing it because of how athletic he is. Um, I saw a video today from his pro day of him running a post route, and like he's a smooth runner. Like he's not big and clunky like when you think fullback. Like he's he's athletic, um, and so he's a guy that I'm so intrigued by because like if he makes the team. I can't tell you how happy it'll make me if he makes the team. He's going to be like Dewey Wingard is going to be a thing of the past. He will be the new Jaguars favorite player. Yeah. And look, and he's not doing something that's unheard of. Like, you so know, I've got a fun story for you before to, to give this some context. All right. Hit me. So the Jaguars haven't had a fullback on the roster since Bruce Miller in 2020. Bruce Miller was a defensive end in college at UCF before being drafted by the San Francisco 49ers in the seventh round who converted him to fullback. The GM of the San Francisco 49ers at the time was Trent Balky. Yep. Trent Balky uh, mentioned that it, they, they brought it up in the post-draft press conference. Um, they were the only team to go down and give a private workout to Bruce Miller. Uh, so balky has been doing this. This ain't new. Um, but if you'll recall, the Jaguars have had some pretty good fullbacks. I mean, obviously, Greg Jones was an animal at Florida State and a beast for the Jaguars. Tommy Bohannon was a fan favorite, had some really big moments in that 2017 season. And then the Jags kind of got away from having a fullback. 
Uh, they started to do what most NFL teams these days do, which is basically have like your second or third tight end. If you're going to run a fullback, have them line up. Um, I love fullbacks. I'm a huge fullback guy. My brother played fullback in the NFL. So I love the position. Um, Patrick Ricard from the Ravens was not a fullback when he in college. He wasn't a fullback, I believe, when he came into the league. I believe he was still a defensive lineman. Um, and he was able to convert. And he's a guy now that is a pro bowler, four-time pro bowler. Um, so he's a guy that I think you can kind of look to to see that this is this is a possible transition. Um, he's gonna end up he's gonna be in the running back room, but I think he's gonna be more like of an H back tight end than anything else, probably like a tight end in the backfield, like what we would call a wing at the high school level. Um, shoot, he's big and strong. He can get some push. And I would assume that in a, like, short-yarded situation, running behind him is probably going to be successful more than it isn't. Um, but, you know, Brenton Strange does a lot of the same fullback, H-back type stuff. So if the Jags get through camp and feel like they have what they need in Strange and don't have to carry a roster spot for Derek Parrish, then Derek hopefully lands on the practice squad because I'd love to keep him and continue to let him develop and see what he can turn into because his athleticism – just gives you that idea in the back of your mind of what he could potentially mean to the team down the road. Uh, so he's a guy that I'm incredibly intrigued by. Um, and I was, I was driving to a birthday party Saturday uh, for somebody on my wife's side of the family. And I asked my wife, Hey, would you mind driving just until the draft's over so I can see what happens? And the I ended up having to take over the drive because I was getting car sick in the back seat with the baby. And so I get to the party and then I look at our final pick and they say it says D-line slash fullback. And I was like, no, that's not right. <laughs> like that's some <laughs> sort of mistake. Um, but dude, I'm intrigued by it. I watched some of his highlights. Like he he's got some flashes. He is quick. And um, God, I hope he makes the team because I'm getting a jersey the second the 53 man roster comes out. Yeah, so I'll, I'll be honest. I haven't watched any of him playing other than what I've seen on Twitter from people posting. I haven't gone out of my way to – I'm kind of drafted out. Um, I don't know how what what you guys know of what I do for the NFL draft. Uh, I watch about 200 guys every year, um, and it's about four or five games of each of them, and Derek Parrish sadly did not make my list. But uh, I'm uh, – the draft is both the best time of the year because it, it's where all your your hard work pays off of guys that you've watched this year. And it's like, okay, I can finally take a month or two to like not watch football. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of footballed out. So I probably won't go to watch Derek Parrish until <clears throat> July, August to, to really go in and see what this guy can do. I'm intrigued. It's going to be fun. Um you know, if if the Jaguars were at the bottom of the league when it comes to throwing to running backs, so I'm interested to see with Tank Bigsby and Derek Parrish and Hasty and Etienne if that changes this year. Uh, I believe they were in, they were at least in the bottom seven. I can't remember exactly where they ranked on pass attempts, but uh, for running backs, but I'm interested to see if that changes at all. Um, they definitely got going to have a, a little bit of a different offensive identity. They they drafted one two was it five five or six offensive players out of the 13 um 
think it was seven and six, I thought. Yeah, you're you're gonna have uh, a lot of fresh blood on the offense this year, um, mm-hmm. and and that's good. They definitely needed some depth there, especially at receiver. Um, I was happy about that and tight end. You know, you only had two guys in the in the room before this weekend. Um, so it's you know it's interesting to see what happens. He's he's a good athlete. I probably doubt he makes the roster. Uh, but if he does, he'll he'll no doubt be uh, one of the Jaguars' fan favorite. He'll be the Dewey Wingard of offense. Well, here's my thought with a guy like Derek Parrish is last year the Jaguars carried four tight ends every game. We carried Manhurts, Arnold, Farrell, and Evan Ingram. You're this year, three and Parrish? I'm thinking three and Parrish, and Garrett Prince doesn't make the final roster because I think Parrish does more things. You know, with special teams, special teams, yeah, fullback and the tight end stuff. Um, you know, the Jaguars signed. It was it was a little embarrassing. I felt bad for the the social media team because they worked so hard. They put out the graphic of undrafted free agents, only to have one of the players change their mind and sign with someone else after they posted it. So they had to like take it down and replace it. Uh, we signed ten undrafted free agents. Um, none of which I had really ever heard of, except for one, because I always keep up with Tigers and the pros. Um, Jare Jenkins is an intriguing one that the Jags signed as an undrafted free agent. Um, in three years at LSU, 84 catches, 1,300 yards, 14 touchdowns. Um, and if you'll recall, Daniel, as a Florida fan, LSU quarterback play in 2020 and 2021 was terrible. Um, we had – I'm still jealous <laughs> – we had Miles Brennan, and he was hurt. And we had Max Johnson, who I had Emory. Away. I had Emory Jones. I don't want to hear about it. He had one solid year of a good quarterback play this past year with Jaden Daniels. Even though Jaden Daniels was known more as a runner, um, you know he Jerry Jenkins is always going to be famous in Tiger lore because he caught the game winner against A and M in Cocho's final game. Was it his shoe that got tossed? Um, no, that was a tight end's shoe that got caught. I was going to say, he's the most infamous Tiger because his shoe got tossed across. Um, but he did beat Florida three times because that's what we do. Uh, Who? <laughs> uh, but Dre Jenkins caught the touchdown pass uh, to beat A&M in Cocho's final game in Tiger Stadium, send him out a winner. So he's famous for that. He's the only undrafted free agent that even, like, excites me a little bit uh, just because I know him and I know he's talented. He tested terribly. Um but that's what LSU receivers do. They test terribly and then turn out to be okay. Um, there was Samuel Jackson from UCF, who people were only intrigued to know what his middle initial was. And sadly, it wasn't L, it was K. So he's Samuel K. Jackson. So he's not even interesting anymore. Um, but, you know, other than that, the undrafted free agent class was kind of quiet for us. Nobody really – like, we, last year we got E.J. Perry, and that was exciting because he was like a baller in college in the mm-hmm. Ivy League. Um, but this year it's a lot more toned down. Um, you know, a guy tweeted, and it's – unfortunately it's the reality now that the draft is no longer our Super Bowl. So it's not I – th- I think it's not going to be as exciting as it normally is. Um, but we're on we're on deck to have 10 picks again next year, baby. So I can't wait to trade back three times and end up picking 15 players next year. God almighty. Balky, what are you doing, <laughs> bud? I don't oh, like we talked about for for a month. I think we mentioned it on every podcast for the last like five podcasts we've done. 
is there's no way he's going to draft nine players, right? Use him to trade out. We don't need nine players. Nine players aren't going to make the team. Guess what we did? And this man took 13. <laughs> and you and I were looking today and we're like, okay, how many of these guys actually have a good chance to make the roster? And we're like, six, seven. And, and maybe some of them surprise us. I mean, uh, you know, um, I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you that I haven't watched all of these dudes very much. Um, some of them, you know, like Parker Washington and Antonio Johnson uh, and Yasir Abdullah, I got to see a good amount of in the in the later rounds. Ventrell Miller, I unfortunately didn't get to see enough of because he was he was hurt for for much of his collegiate career. But uh, he he missed two full seasons, I believe. Huh? One with a suspension and one with an injury. Uh, it was like one and a half. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so He's it's had a bit of a yeah bit of a uh, rough rough collegiate career for him but uh yeah I'm, I'm intrigued to see which of these guys make the roster and if any of our udfas make the roster i don't think they will i didn't know any of the guys i'm pretty up to date on the nfl draft um you didn't know Dre jenkins from playing against lsu no no yeah i mean to be honest like i knew who kayshawn butte was but uh you know other than that it's uh don't you have you still have a good really good one, don't you? There, he's in the next year's draft. Uh, yeah, Malik Neighbors. Yeah, yeah, I was blanking on his name. Um, so yeah, yeah. After that, you know, I was happy for Jaden Daniels. He had a good year at uh, at LSU. I I was intrigued by him when he was at Arizona State. Um, but uh, yeah, I I wasn't too familiar with a few of our draft picks: Derek Parrish, uh, Raymond Vahusik. Um, I knew Cooper Hodges a little bit. I knew Hallett and Braswell a little bit. Um, and I hadn't seen too much of Tyler Lacey, uh, mainly because he just wasn't one of the sexier guys that I was going to watch a whole lot of. Um, uh, he's more of a, you know, if he's going to, if he's going to succeed in the NFL, he's just going to be, a, he, he's more likely to be a guy that is just a really solid backup player and plays probably for a good while. But, uh, that's, that, that was my thoughts on the draft. I was okay. I'd give us a C plus. I think that some of the value we got in the later rounds was was pretty solid. Parker Washington and Antonio Johnson with Abdullah. I was uh, really intrigued by those three. And uh, and Braswell, just to have a corner. You know, I was like, all right, Balky. You know, I, I tweeted on day two after we didn't take any corners or edge rushers. And then after the eventual Miller pick, that's, I think is when I tweeted. I was like, Balky just doesn't think corners and edge players exist, which are the most important players on your defense. You know, Tyler Lacey, fine. He's not really an edge player. Um, you know, he's more of a, a run defense, large D end in the in the vein of uh, Roy Robertson Harris or, uh, you know, Dwayne Smoot. Dwayne Smoot got to be a pretty good pass rusher later in his career in, in Jacksonville. But, uh, yeah, he, he definitely didn't take uh, – Falky definitely didn't draft for need. I'll say that. I'm not really sure what he drafted for, but it wasn't need. Um, but uh, the Jaguars got some got some really solid players. Um, I just don't necessarily always agree with with where they took him and, and who else was on the board at the time. Yeah, so um, you know that kind of wraps up the draft. Uh, you know the draft as a whole. We've been talking about it for. Over a month now. Oh, we'll and, be talking about it for another month. Don't you worry, yeah. guys. Um, you know, but now we'll be turning our attention towards, you know, some different things like, you know, 
will the Jaguars add veterans in free agency that are still available? They've got some money to play with. Trent Baalke mentioned that they were not done shaping this roster, that he expects them to bring guys in. Um, direct quote from him, how big they are, how small they are, that remains to be seen. So it could be a Yannick Ngakwe or a Frank, Frank Clark, or it could be who's that guy. So <laughs> with Trent, you never know. Um, he signed plenty of players that we know well. He signed plenty of guys that we've never heard of. Uh, so it's I've already forgotten that one guy that we we signed like two weeks ago. Exactly. So it, it's it's intriguing to see um, how much of an impact he's still willing to make on this roster, or if he's really really still just trying to you know fill bottom of the roster holes. Which I feel like if you drafted thirteen players, you should not be looking for bottom of the roster guys. Uh, you should be looking for impact guys that are still out there that you can bring in on what you can afford, which the Jaguars, like I said, have some money to play with. Now they're in a pretty decent cap uh, situation post-draft. I think the cap hit for the entire class is still only like $3 million, even though we took 13 dudes. Um, so we've cool. definitely got some money to play with. And if an Evan Ingram extension ever happens, you've got even more to play with. Yeah, we've got 37 players to cut as well. You know, there's going to be some cash available because uh, we're at 90 right now, and we're going to get down to 53. Um, I, it's I all hope, one thing this time. I hope – oh, really? Yeah, there's no um, there's no cut down and then cut down again. I think now we've got to prove that it's 90 to 53 on the final day. and I guess that's good for some of the, you know, lower dudes who get, get some extra playing time. Um We'll probably hear shortly, maybe not the next episode, but maybe in a, a couple episodes, talk about the rest of the AFC South and what our thoughts are were on their drafts. Uh, I know we did that last year. Um, Spoiler alert, most of them did real good. Real, real <laughs> well. That Colts draft, if Anthony Richardson hits, woo, that draft is is good. Um, you know, Ballard, Ballard's uh, giving himself a good shot to keep his job over there uh titans drafted really well um and houston had a i'll say up and down draft mostly solid you know you got your quarterback and your edge rusher of the future um and that's really all you can ever ask for um we'll see what they gave up next year to do so but uh they got they got you know two of the best players in the draft um but uh yeah that's that's a, probably a preview for for a couple weeks from now um we're hoping to uh, to do a pretty cool episode later this week, but uh, we'll see. But that's the Jaguars draft class, 13 players. Yep. Some good ones, uh, some questionable ones, and some guys that we hope make the roster. Yep, and we'll uh, – how cool that next episode is, we'll keep under wraps for now because cool things don't usually happen to me and Daniel in life, so we have to let it happen before we tell anything. I'm already graduating Saturday, so I uh, I've already got one thing going. I'm not sure I can handle a second one. Yeah, so uh, should be an incredibly cool episode coming up later in the week. Um, TBD on whether or not that happens, but we're hopeful. And we'll see when Daniel can put it up because this is this weekend's gonna be busy for. Him. Yeah, well, uh, Friday. Hey, got hey, hey, if next week gets crazy and we can't record, then hey, you got two episodes to put out. So you know we're still meeting content. True. Yeah, I've got I've got a final exam on Friday, Saturday I'm walking, and then uh, Saturday afternoon and Sunday I'll probably uh, be with some family celebrating my uh, my freedom from the shackles of the classroom. 
Yeah, and so go yeah. Gators. Go Gator. Oh, ugh, no, that didn't feel right. I'm I not going to. You were gonna... one of the first people I sent a picture of my cap and gown picture to. I'm very, I'm very, I'm very uh, flattered. But, you know, no. I'm just, I'm, I'm happy my tassel is not brown. It's black and white. We can there you there. go. All right. So uh, we'll be back with y'all soon and should be something very fun lined up for you guys coming out uh, later this week. As always, do well till we podcast.